Today's podcast is all about the art of collaboration. We take freelancers, we put them in the entrepreneurial mindset microwave, and out pops a beautiful creative being with the business mindset and a team of collaborators as they go out in the world and execute great creative. So that's what this episode is all about. So if you guys want to learn how to do that, then stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of the Creator Clubhouse podcast. My name is Prince, along with DJ and Vieira. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up, guys? Prince said it already. I can I can repeat it. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's, What's up, guys? <laughs> this is DJ with Art of Visuals. Oh my god! <laughs> and today I'm going to show you how to make ten thousand dollars in Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, we were talking about Dogecoin earlier. For those of you that don't know, let's not get this into This isn't Dogecoin. a podcast about financial advice, so don't yeah. listen to us. <laughs> I don't it's know not the a research report or investment advice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to go from creative freelancer to collaborating and building more opportunity. Through joining forces. Yeah, with other through collaboration. Mm-hmm. Love so, it. Let's hop into it. So we have tons of people that come to us that are looking for ways to increase their income. They're trying to figure out how to get more sales. They're trying to figure out how to get their first client, whatever it may be. But I think a lot of these challenges come from the the solopreneur mindset where you have a singular person or figure trying to do all the work themselves. And I think they're really missing out on the power of collaboration and working with others. And I think that's really where we want to kind of focus on on this podcast today is about how to collaborate, not so much on the details of how to do specific things, but more or less like the mindset that you kind of have to be in Mm -hmm. to collaborate and to grow and to think bigger. Um, to use systems and things like that to to create more abundance for yourself, for your family, for your clients, and for everyone involved. Yep. And it's speaking from experience, too, because all three of us have had those seasons where we've been a one-stop shop Yep. where people could come to us, I can make you a website, I can make you a logo, and then I'll make you a video and take some photos. Right. <laughs> I'm not like 100% in all those areas, but yeah. I can do all of them. And babysit and, your children. Yeah. <laughs> and make some great guac. Exactly. <laughs> so so maybe a good place would be to start. Let's start with you, V. Let's talk about maybe some of the challenges that you face as a freelancer when you were doing freelance work. The hardest part for me was over committing. I would still get everything done, but it was like I would be pulling like 60 to 80 hour work weeks. Um, but on top of that, I think the hardest part was not and the way I could explain it is not having that umbrella over me. And so you and I met up about potentially collaborating, Mm -hmm. joining forces. And that sounded so nice to just not have to check in with clients. Hey, I sent this invoice three months ago. I still haven't gotten paid. Um, Just little things here and there that it was just like, this would be so nice to have an umbrella where there's multiple people involved. Everyone's giving their best energies at what they're most equipped to do. And yeah, the rest is history. What I would love you, being under the umbrella. What would you say some of the benefits are of being underneath the umbrella? I would say the round tabling. So like, 
being in an environment where you can toss an idea around and it just over time turns into a way better concept than if it were just in my head bouncing Mm -hmm. around. But having that fluid conversation in between, because we're all three of us are very different and have different ways that we think about things. So we each can kind of give our two cents and it turns into a way um, just more complete idea. Right. Um, So I love that side of it. And then obviously just the security of knowing if we set ourselves up as far as having clients for on a monthly retainer, we know that everything's good. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. I mean, between, so it sounds like you boiled it down to creative amplification of ideas and like execution and then security, which are two big challenges for the solopreneur is like coming up with great ideas and then having a constant flow of income to pay your bills and overhead. Uh, DJ, what about you, bro? What are some of the challenges that you face as a solopreneur? Uh, okay. Or a freelancer. Yeah. The biggest thing. So I did, I was a freelancer who was just doing video photo and like kind of like some digital like work and consulting and stuff like that. And then that was hard for me because it was a lot of shifting focus. So like one day I'd be designing a website, next day shooting a video, next day doing photos. Mm -hmm. And that's actually similar to kind of where I'm at now, but I'm not carrying all the weight of all of those projects as far as like client relations, setting up all the meetings, all of that stuff. So I feel like it's a lot easier. But when I was doing that, I actually hired other people to to work and like to produce shoots and to do stuff like that. And that really took all of the weight off of me. I think the still the area that I was not great in was like sales, like actually just like going out and selling and outreach because I was spending so much time actually working that I wasn't able to do the outreach and like plan and think bigger. And I think that when you get multiple people together, you're like kind of joining all of that brain power, kind of like what you were saying V with like the creative ideas. It's like when you're on your own, you have an idea and you're like, great, this is great. Let's run with it. And there's no checks and balances for the idea. And I actually think good creative work has friction in the sense of like, um, like when your ideas challenge and then you're forced to think of something bigger or you're forced to think of something different, it makes the ideas better. And that friction keeps pushing the idea along. And like when it's just you, you're just like, cool, this idea is great. Let's run with it. And it never grows past the like seed of the idea. And so that's where like here, like at Art of Visuals, we hold an idea out and everyone kind of like cross examines it and makes the idea better before we actually ship the idea. Mm Mm-hmm. To build off that too, two things. One, let's make sure we circle back to to the difference between working in your business and working on your business. Because I think that's a big dilemma for freelancers. They're so busy working in the business, editing and shooting videos or whatever it is they're doing that they never get to build the business and, 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 and grow the business and work on the business. I have something that I feel like I forgot to say. Uh-huh. I I also feel like... When you are doing your solo entrepreneur thing, your mindset is you want to, at least for me, it was like every year I want to be making more. And so with doing all your own creative work, it's like you can only do so much a week or every, you know, every month. And so the ceiling is like 
depending on how many hours you make, yeah, you might be able to charge a little bit more for certain things. But if you're doing everything all on your own, you can only get so far Yeah. until you need to just start bringing other people into where, like you were talking about, grow your business rather than just work in your business. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's always, it always makes sense if you are a freelancer, if there's stuff you're not good at, it always makes sense to, or stuff that like drains your energy or you're like, oh, whenever I'm doing X, Y, Z, if it's sales, if it's like accounting, I think it always makes sense to invest in those people because that gives you more time to focus on the things that you're good at. And I like, if you're looking at like the 80, 20 principle, it's like that 20% of your time might drain all of your energy. And so if you can figure out how to focus on what you're really good at, and that's where I actually think coming together, like if you are a rock star photographer, but like you can't put decks together, maybe it makes sense to work with a designer to help you pitch and sell ideas because then you can focus on what you're really good at and they can focus on what they're good at. And it's easy for them to, to create the decks and to do all this stuff. And so when you join with other people, you're combining skills and talents and yes, you might have to pay them for that, but what is that worth to you in the long run? And to me, like having, there's like a lot of things that I'm, there's a lot of things I'm not good at and I know that. And so I try and offload those things if I can and focus on the things that I'm good at. Cause I know that if I focus on those, the stuff can be really good. But if I'm like distracted with all these other things, it, it can bog you down. Yeah. I was just working on um, one of my friends is starting a nonprofit and I would love to do everything because I know I have the ability to, but then it got down to the point where I'm like, I could make this video so much better and help with the whole overall concept. If I just pay a designer to make the logo, pay them to create the website and do these things that yes, I maybe can do, but I'd rather just have somebody else do it. So it's, I'm just out of that equation and it has made everything flow so much better. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you're paying somebody to do it and it doesn't feel good to let go of money. But if you're living in that abundant mindset, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's like that my time is worth this to me. Yeah. I would rather have somebody else professionally do it. And then I can invest my time and energy into making this message be more whole. <clears throat> I got freaking mucus stuck in my throat. (laughs) Freaking mucus. I I think, so you have opportunity cost. I think a lot of people don't realize that you you lose out on a lot when you're constantly working in the business. And another challenging thing too is being being an entrepreneur is very different than being like a designer or a photographer or a filmmaker. Entrepreneurs, you build bridges. Like that's what you do. Like it's not about... I'm the guy designing the things like sometimes you might be the person designing the thing, but, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the actual whole. Like, what are you creating? How are you creating this value? You're literally building bridges. You're solving problems and you're, and you're making things happen for people. And so I think there's a big difference between being in love with photography and wanting to constantly be behind the camera and shooting. And that's great. But just realize like that has its limits. If you're just going to be the photographer, that has its limits versus, you know, getting outside of just taking images and maybe now you're hiring photographers and you're actually training them and working with them 20 hours a week and the other 20 hours of the week, you're actually working on business development and you're out speaking with corporations or whatever it may be and selling your services, Yeah, uh, finding out what challenges they have. You might even create a product that works for a company, some type of product that works for their new hires or whatever it may be. 
when collaborating and looking to grow your business, it's really expanding your mindset and thinking more like an entrepreneur and less like a, uh, a craftsman. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being a craftsman. I think if you really love what you do, then do it. And, and, and the reality is if you do it long enough and you're genuinely talented, there's a lot of pe- there's photographers that are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like mm-hmm. they exist, but that just, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a very different path. Yeah. You know? I think you have to find ways to make money to have the freedom to create things that you really love and to get good. You need that, that clear space to really like keep refining your craft. Um, something just piggybacking off some that you said, I feel like a lot of like craftsmen type people, like we hire a ton of people through AOV and I've worked with a lot of people and they, they feel like what they're doing is the most important thing. Like they might be like, I'm shooting these photos and these photos are the most important thing for your business. And as somebody who's like hiring them, I'm, you're like, well, it's kind of not. And, and I think photography is important and I value art a ton, but also, like, I think the freelancers and, and, and people who are craftsmen should think more like business people and be like, what is the value that I'm adding here? What is the value of this logo? And, like, even thinking about campaigns, it's like this photo might not live forever, but it's going to serve this purpose and really understanding more of what the business is dealing with, what their struggles are, who their target market is, all of that stuff. If you can think as if you are just a photographer, if you can think like the business thinks it's going to make you way more valuable because you can be like, okay, I understand your target market a little bit. I understand what they're interested in. So we're going to shoot at this location and we're going to shoot with this type of model. And that was more like me as like a video, I was like video photo kind of stuff. That was the way that I would think because I came from an agency. And so I'm like, what's the strategy and just asking questions to businesses about that and and letting them know like I'm thinking about your I'm thinking about my own ROI when we're meeting about this creative work it puts you in a different like mind space to the company because they're like okay cool this person is is actually thinking about long-term strategy so they're worth more because of that and if you can go from being the craftsman who just makes the stuff to just like thinking about thinking what's the next level up you can make yourself more valuable just in people's heads and on paper too. I love that. I think that also ties back into working in the business versus working on the business. I think it's, you have to find that balance because if you're spending 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week, just editing and, and and shooting video and photo, you never get a chance to, to build those skills and to grow those skills. Um, but if you can spend 20 hours a week editing and shooting and then spend 20 hours a week reading uh, marketing books, learning how to sell creative services, learning how to communicate, uh, learning how to even present, even presenting information isn't as, as simple as putting the, a deck together. There literally is a process for sharing information. You know, you don't want to overwhelm clients with a ton of information in a deck. And a lot of people do that because they don't understand how to present information. And so even that takes time to learn that stuff to get good at pitching takes time to get good at selling your product takes time it takes repetition you have to work out those kinks of being afraid to communicate uh because sales can be really challenging for creatives you know i know for myself sales was a very scary thing and so i actually went and got a sales job so that i could because i knew that sales was going to be being an entrepreneur i I knew that sales was just going to be a part of my life journey so i needed to go out and get used to getting turned down by people and getting used to being told no and not taking that personally, 
you know, because when you take things personally, uh, it kind of takes, it sucks a lot of soul and energy out of you and it yeah. makes it hard to get up and want to go ask someone for their business because you're terrified. They're going to tell you no. Uh, but the reality is it's okay. You're going to get told no. But if you make the time, I think, to to learn these things, then you can increase your value. And I think you can do both. Yep. Like there's there's a balance. You know, I don't think when you turn into an entrepreneur, I think it's 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 taking on the mindset that you don't have to stop doing what you love, like the creative thing. But you do have to realize you have to pick and choose. Like there might be a lot of smaller projects that you don't like you should be working on the projects where you add the most value. And if someone else can do what you do in a project, you should let them do it. Yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Sony WH-1000XM4 noise canceling headphones. Battery life on these things is huge. I rarely like, honestly, how often do you guys find yourself recharging your headphones? Literally never. They're, it, they're like magical. I would say like the millennial feature is like you can plug them in for 10 minutes and it's a five hour charge. That to me is like a game yeah, changer. Yeah, it's so quick. So even if you do, so say you're traveling all day, you plug it in at the airport for five minutes and it's back to fully charged. Yeah. That hypercharge technology. I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Agreed. I wish I wish I would have taken this advice back in the day. I feel like it would have solved a lot of stressful nights. But it's like we have a tendency to think I'm the only one who has my exact style. So if someone's coming to me for this, I have to do it and I have to. But there are so many ways that you can work with other people and where it can still have your your taste to it or whatever. Yeah. But well, I and that just... comes with, I think, communication too. like kind of what you're saying is I feel like as a whole, creatives could get a lot better at communication. I think that the creatives that are successful, even if they're not like the best photographer, or the best designer, it's people who are very good at communicating their work, communicating their strategy. Like if you're good at communicating, if you literally are just good at writing emails and writing and talking, like you're going to be able to sell your work better. Like regardless of how good your photography is, I see photographers who are not great selling their work and getting the jobs and all that stuff because they communicate and they do what they say they're going to do right. and they get more work. Just- that's the number one. <laughs> that's the number one advice. Yeah. Just do what you say you're going to do yeah. and do it when you say you're going to do it. Then yeah. you can, that is like hard to find a creative that'll do that. Yeah. That alone will boost your but even keeping things simple too, when yeah, it comes to communication, for sure. what people don't realize is you think you're communicating to one person, but you're not, you're communicating to, you know, someone in between and they're going to go communicate to their team. Yep. And then, and sometimes there's levels, like you might be talking to a manager who then has to go talk to a director of marketing who then might have to go and meet with the CEO. Yep. And and oftentimes these people don't accompany each yep. other in meetings. It's not like you the 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 director of marketing is not bringing the manager to go meet with the CEO. Yeah, it's just the director of marketing. And so, if your presentation or if your idea or whatever it is isn't simple and communicated well, they're not going to know how to sell your product. Yeah, they're not going to know how to you know. And I've seen I've lost out in business when I was younger by overcomplicating things or trying to sound smart. Mm-hmm. So using <laughs> using a bunch of just nonsense, like fluff, it's all filler, but it, it feels good. It makes you feel like, oh, like we're using all the right buzzwords and adding all this stuff and it sounds sleek and, and you just confuse people Yeah, and, and it doesn't work well. And so, well, it's a game of telephone too. Like if you think about if you're creating a pitch deck to give to the marketing director 
and you're like you're saying they have to take this through a couple of layers of communication Mm -hmm. you you have to package up something like we just did a pitch this Mm -hmm. week and like you have to package it up to where they can take it to their team and still clearly communicate the idea and they're probably going to have like when we were on this call i was like they're probably going to have their own opinions about the stuff that we said but the actual package thing is clear enough that anyone who sees it and reads it can understand like the vision behind what each slide was enough that they can sign off on it and i know that 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 piece of information or that like package of information was enough that a random person like a stranger could get it and be like i can read this i can see it and i can understand the vision and looks great and so when you can package things that way and when you can communicate ideas clear enough that people can like visualize it in their head you're gonna do way better because it's really easy for marketing director to be like cool ceo to be like great let's do this what's it gonna cost where like if if you just presented like a bunch of images and there's no written text it's kind of hard to do that game of telephone because it's really open to interpretation all the way down the line right i also think when you're communicating with clients it's important to understand what their process is like Um, a lot of times you might be going straight for the kill when you should be actually trying to set the hook and so it's like you don't need to send a super over complicated deck with your process and how you're going to execute it and what the cost and like they don't even know if they want to move forward with the idea. So, you know, you might just want to, you know, communicate with them and figure out what does this process look like? Are you looking for a and it also takes a lot of time. So a lot of the creatives I've done this in the past where I've wasted a lot of time by putting something way too mm-hmm. robust yeah, together sure. when it could have just been a one page, yeah. some photos, a high level concept. And then if they're into it, they're going to want to follow up with another call, Yep. you know, and then you get to further express, you know, what you're thinking. You get to further synthesize what it is they're trying to achieve. You get to ask them more questions. Like you guys see me do it all the time. We'll be in the middle of talking about businesses. And then all of a sudden our, one of our clients like, Oh yeah. And we chat, we we spoke with the CEO, you know, last week. So a few things have changed and I'm like, Oh cool. Well, what's changed with the CEO? What are his priorities? What's Mm -hmm. most important to him specifically, specifically. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, what is most important. And then all of a sudden we gain these insights, these nuggets during these Mm -hmm. conversations and then we're going to recraft our creative. We're going to recraft. We're going to pivot our approach slightly based on this new knowledge. And so the, there is a process when collaborating, you know, that's a very collaborative process. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's a really good point. I feel like it, it comes from a place of insecurity to want to give all the information and to like, to have the whole idea fully fleshed out in your head. Like as a creative, you're like, I feel like if I pre- pre- present something that's half baked or like, that needs still needs work a little bit like it's not right or whatever you want to say everything but really leaving some strategic holes in it for Mm -hmm. collaboration it helps the work be better just like across the board too like just when you're coming up with ideas whatever when you come with like such a fully formed idea that there's no there's nothing that can be inserted or there's nothing that could be changed. And you're like, this is my baby. You yeah, can't change my baby. I was just going to say, because <laughs> you knew they like hold yeah, it so tightly to exactly. where it's like, they don't want to budge. And it's like, yeah. remember they're, they're paying you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they you, start arguing with you about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you shouldn't get your feelings hurt about stuff like that because they, number one, they're paying you, but they also know their brand. They know their strategy. They know all they, they've thought about a lot of things that you probably haven't thought about as just a creative. And so I think being willing to hold up an idea and say, 
it, it takes confidence. I feel like it takes a lot of confidence in what you do and the fact that you can follow up with those things and and fill in the gaps once you know more from the client. I, we had this conversation on a, on a Clubhouse talk this week about delivering images and there was kind of like two camps. People were saying like when you deliver images, should you over deliver? Like should you, if you got hired for 50 images, should you deliver a hundred and, or should you just deliver the 50? And my perspective was you should, you should deliver the amount that you say you're going to deliver and maybe in a separate folder or somewhere else deliver less or deliver, you know, the, the extra ones. But when you overdo it, it really, to me, it's almost like an insecure thing. It's same thing. If you're looking for like logos, you're like, I want five logos and you make 20. Like I know as the person who hired you that you didn't put as much effort into all 20. I would rather that effort be into the five and know that those five are polished and well done. And even three would be great too. Like, and it's just like you, you put more effort into them when there's less and same thing with the images. It's like, you know, they're going to be edited right and really meticulously gone through. I don't need four copies of the same image with one that's really polished and then three that are just like really crappy edits. Mm -hmm. And so, but it takes confidence to do that. And I feel like you get that over time, but also it's okay to be collaborative. It's okay to present something and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Can we get a gut check instead of fully fleshing out and painting the whole picture and then being like, Ooh, I don't actually like that tree right there. Then you have to go back and backtrack and, and it's just harder once something's like finished. So it does take confidence to be collaborative, but in the end, you get a product that both both parties are happy with. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing on the creative side. It's like if you're not clear on the creative side as far as what the process is, you might take a client video that you just shot and go ham on an edit, and you start color grading it, start doing a sequence. You already found music. You put transitions. <laughs> you've put 20 hours in the last two days because you're stoked on the video because I had a decent budget and it's the best footage you've ever seen. And, and we all get super excited when we actually get to shoot something that looks really good because you're not used to editing raw footage with, you know, that you can color grade and do all these things. And so you go all out, you send it to the client and it's not at all on par and they want a whole new revision. Then you're upset about it <laughs> because yeah, it goes back to that communication. There wasn't, yeah. you know, the clear communication. And so well, it's like building blocks. It's like, you don't, you don't start to finish work on the house. You don't start painting when you're still pouring the foundation. You have to do these things like one layer at a time. Creative process. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. Well, and they they need to have input on it. Whoever's hiring you, like, you might have one way that you build houses, but if somebody's hiring you to build their house, they're going to want some input on it because they're paying for it. They have to live in it. Same thing. Like, the client has to use the end product. They have to, and they have to use it to sell things, whatever. So they need... You actually need their input. It's like Lego pieces. It's like you don't want to build it all and then have to tear it all up again to put another Lego piece down. So learning how to get that input up front is really good. Learn how to get it throughout the process is really good. And then you both can be happy and high five and (laughs) dancing down the street when you're done. So what what are some actionable ways that someone could do that? I think number one is not holding your ideas too closely. I think ideas are like, they're not, they're not babies. It's not just because you have an idea doesn't mean it's precious yet until there's like execution and you can, you're, you'll always be able to put your stamp of like, this is my work on an idea. But early on, I think you get, you need to get feedback from creatives around you. I always do this. Anybody, 
anybody who's in my contacts who's like a creative has been hit up by me at some point because I'll be like, hey, I'm coming up with these logo concepts. I'm coming up with these shirt designs. Like, heart the ones that resonate with you. Or here's this tagline. What do you guys think? What does this make you feel? And I ask really open-ended questions because I know that that – like, I literally focus group things with just my creative friends because I know it's it's really interesting to hear other people's perspective and that helps me shape an idea. So I think like if I was like, this is my idea, I'm the only one who's going to get credit for it. Like I'm going to see this thing through to the end. I think that's not the right mentality to have. Um, I want the idea to be the best thing possible. I want people to see it and recognize or even another creative be like proud and be like, I helped with that. Like I helped steer this idea um, in one way. Another actionable thing would be being really like asking for feedback specifically um with like a client so just being like here's this thing there might be some holes in it but that's intentional what do you think and then and then accepting their feedback (laughs) (laughs) like no matter what it is just being like okay i hear that i understand it um i don't know v do you have any actionable I find myself giggling, not out of a condescending way, but I'm laughing because I struggle with this a lot. Yeah. Personally, like I love to color before, <laughs> before it's time to color. Yeah. Because um, it just makes it so enjoyable. But I fully agree that that's like not the right way to go about it. But um, on the agency side, I think that it's best to almost have, even for yourself to have standards. So say you're a videographer and whether you're working with an agency or a company, brand, whatever, where you have, okay, I have three rounds of revisions. The first cut I send you isn't going to have color. It's going to be a little rough and show the general. And then just so you guys know, the second set of revisions is going to include graphics. Yeah, graphics. The third round will include color. Everything's going to be finalized and Obviously, the amount of revisions and everything changes depending on if you're working directly with a brand or if you're working through an agency. But setting those clear lines for expectations allows for there not to be any weird tension between the agency and the contractor or the the brand and the agent. Anyways, I think by setting up standards for yourself and knowing just to a T when people are like, oh, what, when are we going to see this edit? Well, the first edit, it's only going to include this and you'll see it by this time. And so there's no um, miscommunication on that end or missed expectations. Yeah. I think a great tool for that too. I, I think you guys both were super on point with that. I think a great tool is Gantt charts. So using like a Gantt chart basically shows the project and it shows like a timeline. So everyone's kind of aware of like, hey, this is ideally like when we start production, this is when we check in, we'll start, we'll do a draft, then we'll check in with you during pre-production, then we'll finalize the pre-production, then we'll go into production, we'll move into the first draft of edit, which will include just a sequence, no music, no this, we check in, then we connect on this date. Then everyone's very clear and everyone's straightforward because if even if you don't have the right communication and you ha- and you and your process is that but you don't communicate that if I'm a client and I just paid you five grand for a video and you send me a video with no music no color I'm kind of like freaking out I'm like oh yeah. my gosh we just paid all this money and yeah. he just but I don't but I don't sent know us this raw ass video right but but I don't know where you're at in the process so I think Gantt charts are just a great way to visualize what you guys were both yeah talking about and then there's less of those blurred lines Mm -hmm. because i've had moments where it's like 
oh, so when am I going to expect to see this? And it's like, oh, I don't really know because I'm still working with it. But if you can just set everything up for so that there's no room for error, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the entrepreneur mindset. I love what you just said. The entrepreneur mindset versus the freelancer solopreneur is like getting rid of blurred lines like yep. you do not like you eliminate blurred lines you really want things uh on the operational side of your business to be very black and white you yep. don't gray areas where dreams go to die yeah and, and sadly <laughs> for sure sadly you could you could do great work but a client doesn't want to work with you and it's all just because of, of just gray area miscommunication yeah well it could be great work in your mind that's the other thing. It could be great work in your mind and objectively the work could be great, but if it's not what the client wants, mm -hmm. then it's not great because it didn't, it's, you're solving a problem. You're not making art necessarily when you're doing creative work. It's usually you're solving a business problem. Thanks. Um, one of the things that I feel like we should clarify too, I, I heard a lot of this talk, like in our clubhouse, people were like kind of curious just about the difference of an agency and a, freelancer so like if we're just looking at just a freelance photographer and like a full-on like full service agency people were like how can agencies charge so much for creative work where where like a freelance photographer like if we were just looking at pricing a freelance photographer might get paid a thousand dollars for a job and an agency might charge 15 to twenty thousand dollars for the same job and like what is the difference between those and and one of the things uh, you can hit it if you want oh, you're good no, you're ready, ready. you're ready we're <laughs> the rocket's taking off. The right explosives are. <laughs> She's like, deep breath. It's about to be a long answer. I'll tell you why we get paid more. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know why we get paid more? Because of our expertise, because of our systems, because of our efficiency, because of our track record. Because Start of over. Because <laughs> you, you said a couple words wrong. <laughs> In cause of um, English. But no, in all honesty, I think. There's a big reason that agencies get paid more than freelancers. One is that they have a very streamlined process that creates results for clients and, and it's repeatable and they've done it and they have a proven track record and clients can call past clients and it's not like some hearsay, she say type stuff. It's not... <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> let him live, time. V. Let That's him live. That's the second time you've said that, though. Hearsay, she say. Hearsay, uh, she said. I get on. I get. I start. I start His talking rant. too quick, yeah. and I get on my. So excited. My rants. His dad words. Uh, start using dad words, but you know, when you're a, an established agency, you have a reputation, and with that reputation, which is is what a brand is, your reputation comes with a a dollar value. So that's one. Yep. If you're just a no-name freelancer, you have no you have no brand. You might think you have a brand, but you like the marketplace determines your brand. Your brand isn't what you think you are, it's what people say about you. So if people say, "Hey, this company makes great work. They do really great commercials. They're the best at doing these things. They're fast, they're efficient. You don't even have to hold their hand at all. They literally will take it and run with it and deliver great work." then you're going to be able to, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an added value yeah. that comes with that. And so, you know, a lot of people don't think about that, uh, with freelancers, you know, companies are also afraid they have a lot more to lose when working with freelancers. Uh, who's going to manage this? If, if, if I'm going to give a single person a $50,000 job, are you managing this whole thing by yourself? You know? And so, uh, 
clients don't want the reason that they're more likely to hire a agency versus a freelancer is because uh, they don't want to, they don't have the time. They don't want to manage anything. They don't want to hire you. And then you talk about, Oh, we can break the budget up and bring in these other people. And you can talk, you can talk to them about what you need. And I have a friend, Joe, that can build the website and all these things. It starts to get real, unorganized and messy and that scares them they want to go with someone they can trust and the reality is too they have to report back you have to realize the people that are paying you at brands you know sally is the is the manager this isn't her money and so if sally's going to spend twenty thousand dollars on a project you better believe it better be with a reputable place because if the project goes wrong and you have to tell the ceo that you hired you hired some guy named joe off instagram and he just never delivered the work She's fired. Bye yeah. bye, Sally. And yeah. the CEO is why like never again. Yeah. Hire an agent. Hire a company, a reputable company. Yeah. You know that can take care of these things. That has a track record. And so I think that's a that's a big one. Yeah, I think too. Like the work is smarter. I would say not always, but I I feel like agencies put a lot more strategy into what they do because an agency might consist of like somebody who is data minded. And it might consist of a creative director and then the actual person who's shooting. And there's all these different brains that are attacking like a project. And there's a lot of value in that because like we might be looking at someone's Facebook, you know, ads or whatever and being like, okay, these type of models have been more successful. And this type of urban X, Y, Z, you know, whatever, this type of backdrop looks good and this type of copy. And it's really the blending of all of these things. And it's thinking about, creative work as more of like a campaign than just a photo set. And that would, I, that I would say that's like the biggest difference is a photographer's like, how can I make great photography? But an agency is like, how do we make an effective solution to your business problem with strategy, with data? There's more value. Yeah. With copy, with all of these things. And it's really a very well-rounded thing where the photo set could potentially be the same from either one, but it's like, okay, there's a campaign behind this one. There's thought behind how long they use it. There's thought behind where they use it. Like we, when we deliver a project, we deliver analytic reports after the fact we do all kinds of research and there's, there's those checks and balances where just as a freelancer that might not exist. And so it ends up with more effective creative than if it was just one person. And even me like coming from an agency background, when I was doing shoots, on my own, I would have much rather had more people to bounce ideas off of. And I think that was my reasoning for coming back into an agency was because like, I know that process creates better work. And I was like, I want to be doing the best work. I don't just want to be doing work. And so I moved back to that because I'm like, I like what happens when a bunch of brains get together in a room. When, when you get smart people together and you throw creative ideas out, the work is better. We have people that specialize Yep. You have a, and depending on the culture too, like our culture, we have a very strong growth mindset around here. So we're all about growing and learning and we invest in courses and workshops. Like I have a brand workshop next week on Monday that I'm starting and we're constantly increasing our level of skill. And that's not something that you really see in freelancers often. They're focused more on, you know, the creative side, but it's the same reason why you wouldn't get on Craigslist and hire a, you know, a craftsman to, or a handyman to, build your house for you you're going to go pay that premium yeah. and you're going to spend a hundred eighty thousand two hundred thousand dollars more to have like a legit company because this is a high value thing for you, you yeah. like you can't afford for the house to collapse on your family 
And that's how companies look at things. Like they can't afford, this is an important thing. It's a high value. They can't afford, uh, it's too risky. They literally can't, it's worth paying more because they cannot afford for this to go wrong. And we do the same things when we're purchasing something. If you're going to go ride a bike across the country, you're going to think a lot more about the type of bike you buy than if you're just riding a bike down the street. Yeah. You know, it's a different risk, uh, but some, I would say those, there's a lot of freelancers, creatives out there that do a really good job of the business side and they're, you know, to sure. where they almost act as their own, like an agency on behalf For of sure. themselves because they hit all of those areas and they've built up a brand yeah, for themselves. So I, I, I want to make sure that that's said too, because I don't want it to sound like agency. No, I agree. They're not always better. Well, yeah. here's not, they're not only, they're not only always better but they also don't always get paid more so like that's it's really irrelevant i think that's like that question i think comes from this whole scarcity thing that's just like a a thought process they think that that's the truth but that's not i you know i know people in the brand strategy world that i've been working with at these workshops that are getting paid anywhere from twenty five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars for brand strategy facilitation and these are singular people this isn't some massive you know, and they're making $800,000 a year by themselves doing these types of things. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with, you know, and, and, and they're probably way better than most agencies. Yeah. You know, the, the, the two best, I forget the guy's names, but there was a, 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 a pair of a team of two and they were like the best brand strategists in the world. I forget what the brand was called, but they were charging millions of dollars for brand strategy. And I was mind boggled that these two guys we're just mobbing around the world, working with all these elite companies, helping out their CEOs with their brand strategy. So that just goes to show you, like, it's all about expertise. Like, don't it, 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 all that stuff's in your head as far as like, oh, you can make more with this or you can make less with smaller people that build wealth, people that achieve abundance, people that do great work are people that put in the time and the effort to learn, to grow and to and to to provide real value and yep. to provide real value you have to be you have to be in the know you have to understand you have to have a lot of tools you have to have a an extremely uh vast tool set or a very uh sharp specific tool that you can you know that you're dialed in and you just have to be good at what you do it's really that simple yeah i think i think if you're stuck in in the place where you're like i really want to make more as a creative, what whatever it is that you do, all the the next step to making more is figuring out how you provide more value to the person you're selling your work to. It's like really really simple. It's just like how do I provide provide more value before you can ask for more money? Figure out how do I provide more value, whatever that is. Just th- think like the person who's hiring you and be like, what would they need? Maybe they need to look like a rock star to their team. So maybe a really nice, well designed deck with their strategy is what's going to provide more value to you. At, to you as a photographer, or maybe if you're a logo designer, you know, whatever, whatever that person who's hiring you needs, think like them and then figure out how you provide more value and then you can charge more. And it's, it's like stairs. Each time you do that, you provide more, you provide more, you make more, you provide more, you make more. And people will see that value. And it's hard to say no to you asking for more money if the value is there. And if, if, if you find yourself continually getting told no, then maybe the value is not there. And all you have to do is figure out how do I provide more and then do that. The, the value thing's a good thing too. I have a, a small deal on sales with value. So we, when I first started my first production company in 2011, 
I went straight to Northern Arizona University, which is where I went to school, and I sold them on like almost $100,000 in video production. But I was able to do that because I shot a demo. I didn't go in there with an idea. I walked in there with an iPad and played a video for them. And I knew that how universities made money was through residence life. They make money by getting freshmen to stay on campus, to buy those expensive-ass meal plans, and to live in the dorms. <laughs> those meal plans were so pricey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's how it, that's how they got paid, staying in the dorms and, and staying on. So we did like these MTV cribs, like super – like like dorm videos before this were really boring and lame. And so we made these hip like lifestyle videos of like, welcome to uh Seacrest lodge. And it's just like, boom, music, people playing volleyball, guys, girls walking around, like the college experience yeah. to where you see this and you're Shotgun just like beers, <laughs> cake stands. You, you love it. And guess yeah, what? Slow motion. Hockey sack. They, yeah, hockey it's sack. a high, it's a high value for them. Uh, because it helps convert, it ended up working. It helped convert a lot of freshmen to 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 not only live on campus but to stay on campus, you know, up until their sophomore junior year. Uh, but there's also, you know, there's also certain companies and 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 industries like universities where, you know, they have budgets. Yeah. So like as a as a freelancer, if you're looking for a market, like I'm entering a market as a creative, and I and maybe don't specialize in anything specific, you just love making videos, then you should go where the money's at. And they're like, you may like salons may be cool, but there might not be a lot of money in, in making salon videos. But universities literally have these fat marketing budgets and it's no one's money. Anytime you can be in a space, government, uh, yeah. education, where it's not like anyone's money, it's just like this budget that they get and there's controllers of the budget and they their job to is to it. spend the money. Yeah then put yourself into play, yeah. find the value and, 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 and figure out what it is that they need. What are their goals and create a solution like we did. We knew their goal was to get kids to stay on campus, to move on campus. So we created a solution of making really sleek videos that got you really excited to want to be in this dorm, be in that dorm um, and whatnot. So I think repeating work to like types of work is it makes it more valuable for you because you can get better and better at it. Like if you're talking about like university videos, yep. like the more times you do that, the more you understand and the sharper you get with universities specifically or with hospitals or with whatever it is that you do. But I feel like you get more efficient every time you do it. The first time you might be figuring out systems and graphics and how do you color these videos. But the more you learn the space, it gets easier and easier. And I think if you can repeat the types of, if you're just like trying to make more money, just repeating the type of clients that you have, like your portfolio is going to be full of, let's say shoe for shoe brands. You have a few shoe brands under your belt. You're like, I know how to shoot shoes. Then it gets easier and easier to land shoe clients. But then it also like you get better at it as you go. Right. So this is why you don't hire freelancers. So while we were on the, no, this is, this is, so we were just talking about why you would hire a agency over a freelancer. This is an exact reason we're talking about risk. Yeah. So, we sold them on these these massive projects. We came down to NAU. We're young. I'm like 22, 23 years old, and You're my there to party and exactly. <laughs> and my business partner was there to party. I was actually more responsible, uh, but he had all the information on where the shoot was at. So I was up the next morning. He went out, got wasted, got thrown in jail because he got so drunk. Perfect. He ended up throwing a chair across the bar. Perfect. Gets locked up overnight. And we end up, and we don't know where the shoot's at. He had all the information, and so we missed, we missed, <laughs> we missed the $100, shoot. Hundred thousand dollars shoot, and and they and they fired us. Yeah, 
And so he wanted the like, firsthand experience of the of the college life. He really wanted to like <laughs> as a director, you got to get in the mindset of what you're trying to film and he was trying to do that. But, but that's like, why he, you don't like he took it too far. That right there is why you hire a creative agency and you don't hire uh you don't hire freelancers. Yeah. You know, granted we we had a, a company, but even small companies, like there's just certain levels of risk to where it doesn't make sense because like that's a perfect example. Granted, we were young and I don't know why they even trusted that young of a child with because you're good at selling. Right. Yeah, you and are. The, and the product yeah, was good. Check out that email. But the product was good. Sorry guys, we just got an Sorry. amazing email. <laughs> what? Anyway, so I think I think people should hire freelancers though. I think freelancers are actually really important. No, 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 no. I didn't so I I just that I just gave a prime example of like why a brand. Let How me run we... that back too. So when I when I say that, I don't mean brands do hire freelancers, but I guess the point of the story is you have to either be really good and have a really strong reputation or it makes more sense to collaborate with other creatives and we can kind of move into that. You collaborate with other creatives and you start a company. And that company can build value. That company can build a brand around the individuals that are a part of it. So if you start a company with six other awesome, you have two amazing videographers, you got two amazing photographers, and you got two awesome biz dev guys, you guys are going to crush it. You're going to have a great reputation because people know you guys in the space. And it's like, oh, my, people are going to be talking about it. Like, oh my gosh, did you hear that? These amazing, talented people just started a little company together or just started working together whatever it may be but there's a lot more value in collaboration because everyone can specialize in in what they do best uh, and it allows the company to flourish and it's like it, it's it's like the whole saying of it makes a lot more sense to have 10 percent or five percent of a million dollar business than it does to have a hundred percent of a thirty thousand dollar a year business and so you can create much more value when you're working with people um so with that said what do you guys think are some other benefits to collaborating and partnering up with people to to start small studio like uh agencies or shops or whatever you want to call it well i think it also can be said that you could ease into that so just for bigger projects you could just and maybe you want to test out like your friend Bobby and your friend Cheryl <laughs> the, to make sure that they all work together. Those are really creative names, right? Bobby I feel like there's Cheryl. a lot of Bobby and Cheryls out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but where if you have a project and you first start off by, you know, hiring those people and seeing like what works well, because I've seen so many people join forces way too quickly and drop everything 100%. and then they crash and burn and then they have this weird falling out and it's just, it's so awkward. So the more you can ease into it and build those relationships, the better Yeah. and just working on bigger projects. And then maybe you all do your separate things still. And then eventually once it makes sense, fully go into that. Yeah, I agree. I think people try and jump into stuff too, way too soon without knowing. I mean, that's what I did. Like right out of high school, I started like a web design agency with my friend who was a developer and he was amazing at developing and I was really great at graphic design and we sold all these clients. We probably had $15,000 worth of client work. And then one day he just stopped responding to my calls 
and I have no idea how to develop and I have all these websites that I have to do <laughs> and I'm like, shit, Classic. what do I do? And, and he was great at what he did. He's literally a specialist, but he's also a specialist in very high demand and somebody offered him more money than he thought that he could make with this. So I had to learn how to code to, to follow through with these things. And I did for a little bit. Um, but should have outsourced that, bro. I mean, I should have, but budget-wise... It At just, the time, Upwork didn't exist. Yeah, there was no Upwork. <laughs> I was just learning off of MySpace. So I just like... <laughs> and hearts. Yeah. No, but I... So I had to learn. But I, I think what you're saying is true. I think you get these big projects and you're like, okay, somebody else is better than me at motion graphics. So I'll hire somebody at motion graphics. But the communication part is key to that. And the hardest part of that whole thing is managing other creatives that is it's like wrangling cats every creative works differently every creative thinks differently they all have a different process and so figuring out how do i work with this creative in the best way possible to achieve the goal and some people like you pay them a part up front and then you pay them the rest when they're done and maybe you give them a bonus if they do a good job and other creatives it's like you can pay them in 60 days and people all have their own like little quirks and in ways that you work with them but the better you get at that the more you do it the better you get and there might be people that you're like wow this person is super reliable they think like me that's when you partner up with people and you know that they follow through with what they say and they're smart and all of those things. But getting in bed with people too early in a business sense is and in every other sense. In every other sense too. Just wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> I also think too with creatives, you gotta have your you kinda have to lay the law down. Like you gotta ha- like if it's your project, you kinda have to lead the project. It's like relationships. Like if you know what you want then state like this is this is the criteria to be in a relationship with me and if you're not if that doesn't work for you then that just doesn't work for you it's not like oh you're more of a 60 day kind of person or okay well we can it's like no like this is what it is this is what we're doing if that works sweet if not then then no big deal um i think that's super important but that goes back to communication because that's the entrepreneur mindset there's a big difference between if you're going to be working with people now you're now the entrepreneur yeah. And you have to drive the ship. There can't you can't be co-captain, have a bunch of co-captains asking everyone's opinion on every little thing. It kind of has to be like, hey, we're going north. This is where we're going. Who do you guys know that's on board for this voyage? Um, and I think on like a more practical level, like an easy way to kind of jump into that. So if you're a single, you're a freelance creator, and say you have a a thousand dollar, let's say a ten thousand dollar for a nice round number gig. You know, a great way to look at it is how much long, how long would it take for me to complete this job, break it into hours, maybe it takes you 50 hours or whatever it may be, divide that by the number and you come up with your effective hourly rate. So the 50 hours divided by 10,000 and you come up with the number and you can basically use that. What margin do you want to get paid? And you can use the rest of that money to hire people out. So now you have a budget. So now you have that $10,000 project and maybe you have, uh, you're going to make say $5,000 and then you're going to spend $5,000. And then with that $5,000, you need to hire a DP, an editor, a producer, talent, and a PA. And that that's like a simple way to start branding out, reaching out and working with other creatives, getting to get a feel for them before going into business and things like that. And that'll also really get your feet wet with how, you know, managing teams and thinking more like an entrepreneur, but that's the easiest way to, I mean, that's the simple formula for like starting to collaborate with people yeah. to work on projects. And if you're just, if you are a photographer and you want to start upping your game, just hiring an assistant to be with you on set is like a for great, sure. that's a great start. That was the first thing that I did. I was like, okay, 
I know I'm going to be super busy with all of these things. So I'm going to need an assistant. And then from there I hired a producer. So then I was like, I'm going to be busy with all these things and I need help with the pre-production. So the producer helps do all of that stuff and you can just slowly scale up and you could start charging a little bit more. So you can be like, usually I charge whatever, $700 for a shoot. Now I'm going to charge a thousand and 300 of that is going to go to the producer and the assistant on set or, you know, whatever, however the numbers work out, but you can just slowly start integrating that. But even just having an assistant, if you're a photographer, you've never shot with an assistant, it's a game changer. Somebody to hold a reflector, somebody to run grab things, somebody to help wrangle children or whatever it is. That makes a huge difference already. You see the difference in the work. I love that. I have a, I have an interesting question here in my notes that I wrote down. Uh, what is more valuable than money? happiness that's yeah because this all goes back to pricing and value as well so a lot of times people are pricing their product based on just like the money thing and they're not really thinking about well what's more valuable to money to that client time yeah peace of mind peace of mind for sure uh reputation lifestyle creativity status whatever it may be like that all that all has value you know and so money's nice too though yeah yeah no 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 but (laughs) But you can, you can add that you can add that type of stuff on top of. Uh, so if you have status and you're in your photographer, your photos are going to be priced different than someone that doesn't have status, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Or if you can provide peace of mind, you know it's worth more than money for a client. So like gotcha. for us, peace of mind is worth like working with creatives that actually can just like that we're not stressing about losing sleep and like oh my gosh, is the edit done yet? He still hasn't delivered it, things like that. If a creative can give us peace of mind, we'll keep working with them. We'll, yeah. we'll feed them tons of work if they can make our lives easier. And we won't even think twice about it. Yeah. But if someone makes our life more difficult or more challenging or we lose a little bit of sleep, all of a sudden we start to get a lot more reserved and yeah. we're not as, as happy or we're not as likely to hire them for a project. For sure. So how, does, how did you meet other creatives when you were, when you were doing your own thing? like people to work with or even like clients and stuff. How did you find those people? You mean when I was, cause I was just solo gotcha. entrepreneuring. Yeah. <laughs> solopreneur boss. It lady. felt like manuring. Yeah. That's all it felt like. No, it was great. <laughs> no, I just friends of friends knowing people. So for, there was one shoot in particular where I needed to like find somebody to help with the lighting and audio because the budget called for that. And so I was able to just, you know, hit up friends of friends that I knew that would, would do it for a certain rate. But after having a shoot like that, it gives you this confidence and you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to just do things Mm -hmm. on your own. You're like, why would I do put all of this weight on myself when I could, you know, we're better together. Let's yeah. work together with these people who are ex someone who's an expert at audio, someone who's amazing with lights, someone who's a way better photographer than I am. And I can just focus on and as I've gotten older I realized I really like the operations side of things and seeing hearing somebody's vision and making that come to life. And I feel like I can communicate better than I can use a camera. Yeah. To be quite frank yeah and so i found my place doing that to where i'm still so proud of something once it's finished i maybe didn't even hold a camera or anything but to be able to be that middleman um so i guess just finding where you can have the most impact within i love that 
I, I think it takes a lot of self-reflection to realize like we all want to be the superstar. Yeah. That's the reality. It's like everyone wants to be the lead guitarist, but it's like, sorry, you're just like, you're a drummer. Yeah. Like you're just a really <laughs> great drummer and it, it's cool that you can play the guitar, but I think we all have to, to come to that realization. And then when you real, like when you finally sit in and embody that, you realize the drummer can be the star too. Yeah. Like when you just embody like what it is that you're great at. And then it, I think it allows everyone to come in and, and plug in. Like I see it with us. Like we get better, like a fine wine. We age like a fine wine. And it's like every, every year we just like, it's like a, a Tetris cube that just fits tighter and, and more compact together. Um, and I think that's super important to embody those roles. Another thing I think for creatives, like I know something that I did as far as to get sales was in it or to, to get in the action, I guess in sales, we have a thing that we call centers of influence and centers of influence are like people that are magnetic people, like within your community or your space that have a lot of reach. So when I started doing video stuff in 2011, we would go and whether it was create free content or connect and network, but we'd find like the movers and shakers things that were going on here. And we were, we started shooting content. We got involved with wild One Hundred and One, the radio station. And then everyone saw our stuff and everyone was talking about our stuff because it was the influential people were sharing it. And then the, the other business owners that look up to these guys would reach out. And then we got smile labs and dentist offices and all these in real estate people, they'd start emailing me and like, Hey, we saw that you guys were shooting stuff from muscle farm or bodybuilding, or we saw that video is really cool. Would you guys be open to doing real estate? And so I think that's a really great way to, to magnify your efforts is to try to find, like if you're going to put in the effort to, to, to do sales and do things, there is a network effect by working with like influential people that, that have kind of like this, this sphere of influence. Yeah. But wherever you're at, there's always people that are influential. And so like Prince was saying, just finding those people and being like, how do I work with them? That's how my, my thought is if you're going to be doing the work anyways, like if you're going to be working in video, if you're working in the space, you might as well work with the best people. Like what is the point of doing the work, not working with the best people? Because if you're going to do it, find the best. So even if you have to work for free for a little bit or whatever, just figure out how you work with the best people. And working for free, working for three, I think is really valuable when you're, if you're getting eyes and attention, like there's like, I, I, there's a lot of talk I know about working for free for creatives. And I think it really depends. Like you have one side that's like, oh, you're discounting the value of what we do because you're doing this type of work for free. And then you have the other side. It's like, oh, well, there's also great opportunities. You might, there might be an up and coming startup that's making a lot of noise, but they don't have money to pay you. And so you shoot a video for them, but now your work is, you know, your work is out there. And I also think there's a difference between getting your work out there to where, like when we collaborate with brands, like they put in collaboration with art visuals and those are paid collaborations, you know, but I feel like a lot of, when I was younger, I feel like I used to do free work and they would just post the video and they wouldn't say anything. And so you're only getting a shout out if someone like literally leaves a comment as like who made this video, which no one's asking that really, unless it's a fellow business owner that's asking them person to person like, Hey, who shot that commercial for you? And so if you're going to do free work like that, I think it's super important to have your name, like make sure you're in front of your work so that you can actually capture the value of, of what you just did. Um, but I think there's something to be said, especially on a local level, like on a brand level, it's kind of 
challenging, especially when, you know, a lot of brands do have money, but on a local level, I think it makes sense to do, if you have an opportunity to do free work for someone that is of influence in your city, there's a good chance it could actually lead to a lot of work. And yeah. I've, and I've experienced that. I, I have experienced that also. I do feel like people try and take advantage of this was another thing. That's that all part of the game. Like sure. I've been taken advantage of. I've been lied to. I've like I've had. You know what I mean? Kicked and, down. I've been kicked in the on. mouth. Yeah. Uh, pitched a real estate guy hundred thousand dollar video yeah. for five. You know, all these different things. And I think that's just like part of the like. Sometimes the free work works out. Sometimes I've had people promise you the world like, oh, do this video for us, and then I'll and then our CEO will see it, and then we're gonna send you tons of work and then you never hear from them again and they totally just got you on a video if you're confident in the value that you can provide number one you can come in and be like i know i'm gonna do this and here's gonna be the effect um another thing is maybe it starts out at a lower rate or at a free rate but but you lock in three other projects and be like okay we're gonna do this and maybe we'll do two more things and you start making the client or whoever think long term but you also have to advocate for yourself. And if you feel like yeah. they're just continually using you for free work, then stop doing it. And it's okay to it's okay to have that money conversation. Like it should be very normalized to just talk about money because it's just it's an exchange of value. And it's not it doesn't need to be this like heightened pressure <laughs> right. situation. And it depends on your level of work too. Like I look back and a lot of the like our work was free is because it just when we did free work is because it maybe just really, it just wasn't <laughs> it was good but it wasn't like it was good to us because we're creative and we thought it was cool but it wasn't solving it really wasn't solving what the business needed yeah. it's just like oh that's a cool video but like we can't pay you what you want for that because it doesn't really do much for us um but we also found a lot of ways you know while we were growing and learning the business side because it takes time to really plug in and understand that you're not just making cool things because when you first start you really think that you're just the coolest you see a commercial for a restaurant you're like oh that's commercial is lame let me go in there and talk to them we can make the best commercial ever it's gonna be so creative and so cool and it's like but but that doesn't move that, that to you you think you have it all figured out you're like i'm gonna go you know pitch to them on this cool commercial but for them uh it doesn't really work and so i also think trade is is okay you know and we used to do we used to get like 1500 35 at one point i had like three thousand dollars in 2012 to ling and louis restaurant because yeah. i did a video and i just got gift cards and like that Wait, was kind of <laughs> that was kinda... See, i i do i like the idea of trade but like in practice i if especially if but it all depends pro- on levels like exactly. that's it's so hard because we're blanket talking about creatives but it's like are you a creative who's like are you really producing commercial work or are yeah. you are you making good videos like yeah. you're a good local videographer there's yeah. a huge difference between you're a good local videographer or a decent local videographer and someone who someone who is making <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to. I'm lost. I'm be humble. Lost. Oh, be humble. Yes. Prince got it. Yes. I was gonna say the so, moral of the story is be humble. Yeah, just know your worth, but yeah, be humble. Be humble. Know what you want. Like know where you're headed, know what you're aiming towards, but like be humble. I had to humble myself so many times throughout the journey of getting here. And like, it's okay. Yeah. And don't let people make you feel inferior. Like, Oh, you should have charged this or whatever. Like the world just doesn't work that way. Like life is so dynamic and just be humble, be grateful, know what you want and keep, 
you know, keep striving to achieve the dollar amount you want, the products you want, the projects that you want to work on, the people that you want to work with, all those things. You just need to know what you want and keep working there. Uh, but it's going to take time and that's okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people start off to not knowing what they want. Even now, like if you were to ask somebody, what is it that you want? What do you want your photography business to be? What do you want to start? What do you want to create? If you ask people that, you should be ready on the spot to answer those questions. And you should think about that beforehand because the oper- I feel like once you know what you want, the opportunities start to appear. For sure. You can you put so much more energy and attention when you're wide, at least from my personal experience in business, when, when I've been wide, you cast a wide net, but you don't really absorb a lot of value. You yeah. don't absorb a lot of, you don't, you don't get to build amazing relationships. You just kind of have like a bunch of watered down things. But you when you start some weird fish, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But when you start to become more focused and you start to kind of narrow things out, you start to, to build more relationships. You start to catch you know, great fish, the fish you want, real delicious, delectable fish, uh, sushi, great fish. Big <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you gotta, you have to know what it is you want. Like if you're going to shoot video, don't be like the guy I was. I was the guy who shot music videos. I'll shoot your music video, your corporate video, your real <laughs> estate video, your wedding video, your mom's your grandma's 95th birthday. <laughs> you got a budget. <laughs> We'll throw some but trap, his best trap music ones on were it. the rap videos. Let me <laughs> well, tell you. Yeah, and sure. so, and and I think that's great. It was great for where I was. I was just learning. You know, the reality is, like, I look back and I'm like, dude, I was so not humble and was trying to get all this cash. But looking back, I'm like, I got paid to go to like creative school. Like, I got paid to to like learn how to shoot videos. Like, I definitely was not. Like, you're just learning. Like, that's just the reality. I look back and I'm super grateful that I was able to get paid to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Collaboration over competition. Yeah. Collaboration station. This week's challenge is to partner up with a fellow creative, whether it's on a project that you're already working on or you come together for a passion project. Partner up with somebody, collaborate with them, and tell us what you learned through it. Beautiful. Send us a voicemail. I love it. Once again, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. We really hope that you guys are inspired to get out there and collaborate, start connecting with other freelancers and doing work together. And uh, if you guys got a project, let us know. Let us know what you're working on. Let us know if you guys have questions. Let us know if we can be helpful in any way. If you guys do have questions, we have a number that you can call into, and it's 208 208- Three nine one two eight four four, and if you call on there you can leave a voicemail and we'll answer your questions at the beginning of the next pod for sure you guys can also hit us up on our instagrams at art of visuals at wonder boy prince at this is war and at viera may is it viera may yeah it is. so hit us up uh we'll add that to the show notes so you guys can see how the handles are spelled and uh we'll see you guys next week Toss me in the microwave. Toss me. Put me in, coach. Hit me with that infrared. (laughs)